I'll create like a one page PDF of like an idea or like some tips. And I'll just make a story that says, Hey guys, I got a new uh, one page PDF telling you guys the five ways to piss people off, but then immediately make them happy. If you want me to send you this PDF, shoot me a DM that says, piss me off. I'll get like 100, 200 DMs in a day. And then I send them a PDF, but it's also, I just opened a direct line of communication with somebody that's interested in some shit. And then I just have conversations with people, not hard sales, just like, oh, so tell me about, you know, do you str- what are your struggles? Like, why aren't you doing this to the level at which it's full time? What are you doing here? And I sell content. I teach people how to create content and like make money from smaller audiences. I, you know, I don't know what your budget is, but I sell a program called Social Content Mastery. And it's actually a live event I have here in St. Petersburg, Florida. And it's, you know, it is an achieved course. I, it's a three-day workshop, you know? So like, and then ha- a lot of times I'll get a yes. Next thing you know, like I just made three grand. <laughs> Hey, so that's a clip from this episode with my buddy Ryan McGinn. This is actually part one of two. We recorded a really long conversation that actually afterwards we were both like, damn, man, we could have just turned this into a paid product, but we didn't do that. I did divide it into two parts, though, because it is kind of long. I met Ryan about 10 years ago at a marketing event in San Diego. And since then, we've both gone on to do a bunch of crazy, weird stuff with both social media and email and all these different things. We sell products and consulting kind of related to our interests as they've morphed and changed over the years. But this conversation is great. And we talk about a lot of really cool stuff about how to make money with a small social media audience, how to be more interesting. Ryan's got some cool thoughts on uh, content and his content boxes, which are a pretty interesting approach to this whole thing. We talk about the power of DMs and selling stuff through DMs. We talk about how to build status by using Facebook advertising in a very specific way and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then the second part of this conversation, we will continue on many of the same topics. But I think I think you'll get a lot of value out of this, especially if you're someone who likes my ideas, but maybe are turned off by kind of the aesthetics of my page. Ryan keeps a very nice aesthetic, but he, we share a lot of the same ideas about marketing and how to actually influence people. So I think you'll get a lot out of this episode and I hope you enjoy it. Please let me know what you think. Cool. So I'm here with Ryan. Thanks for coming on the podcast, dude. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I know we've been trying to do something like this for a while, so I'm glad we're finally making it happen. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm stoked about this thing, man. The It's it's still pretty new, but the it's the audience seems to be growing pretty, pretty quickly. And I think it's cool for us because we can spend a little more time talking about some some cool shit. But I think I think first that it would just be interesting because we've known each other through this Internet marketing world for a long time. And we were just talking before about we originally met at a Frank Kern event, Mass Control at the San Diego Hard Rock when I was working with Valerie. Um, why, why were you there, dude? Like, how did you end up there? Who'd you know? Well, long story short, I couldn't even afford to be there. Um, <laughs> that was like one of those events that, you know, like you're like, this would be a good event and I should like spend all my money to get there to network with the people that are possibly like going to help me further my business. And at the time, I was just like mad confused at where I was going with my digital business. I just um, like little background. I mean, I know you know it, but for your people, um, I created a um, I was a professional BMX racer. Um, I was never the best professional BMX racer. I was always like just the guy that, uh, you know, I made the finals. I was good enough to be pro, but like there was probably no Olympic contract in my future. Um, you know, it was just like that awkward, I'm too good to be amateur, but I'm not good enough to be a top professional kind of position, which like, I feel like a lot of athletes face that at some point. 
Um, totally. But, you know, so I was like, man, how can I continue my BMX career? And like this internet thing is kind of cool. Um, and like, this is right when Tim Ferriss released the four hour work week. It was kind of like changing the game and the world when it came to like passive income and all this shit. Right around this time, I had also met Elliot Hulse, um, who has since gone on to, I mean, he's probably one of the most polarizing individuals, I would say on the internet, um, let alone the fitness strength training space where he kind of lives. Um, and he's the reason why a lot of people, you like the genre of YouTube videographers and vloggers and daily daily content like he kind of like inspired a lot of what is that industry right now so i kind of just like you know i was lucky and fortunate enough to kind of align myself with him at that time and i thought i wanted to be a personal trainer because i was training clients while i was racing my bike and then we read this book and he we kind of bet each other like hey you know and he had just opened his first strength camp gym which went on to become the empire that it is today like they're now they're um, they're licensing it as a kind of their possible franchising. He was just making, started making videos to drive people into his gym locally. And he was putting them on this website called YouTube that nobody knew, knew about really at the time. It was brand new. And he, uh, so I just kind of started copying him. And then he's like, yo, um, we both read this book. He's like, we need to make products. So he made one about football and I made one about BMX. Um, and mine was actually a DVD because my dad, um, like a lot of people know, like I create content now. It's one of the things I teach. Um, but I come from a videographer background. My dad's been filming videos for as long as I can remember. Um, and he kind of helped me kind of get started, helped me create that first DVD, which did by all means sell. I mean, I, but because I was the first person in like basically the BMX industry to like kind of freely give away tra- strength training advice via YouTube and Vidler at the time was pretty popular. And then, uh, you know, with my DVD, and I started a daily email list for BMXers. And like, I was like, so I would go to races and nobody would fucking care that I was a, I was like, that I was any good at my bike riding, but I was like training the kids of all these parents freely through the internet, which obviously, you know, wasn't making me a lot of money in the back end because it was all free and like all that was new at the time. But I had a lot of fan support, so it was really cool. But after a while, I got really burnt out and kind of got depressed and really know what to do. Then I found SEO. And I think that like, I was in the transition from the BMX DVD to the SEO world. I mean, it was like, I, I was more of the dark hat SEO guy. Um, I was doing like the Google sniper sites, which I'm sure you remember. Um, where it's I like do, you rank, I do. Yeah, you rank these little four page mini sites in Google and you spam links at them and then they rank for all these very hyper targeted terms and then they make affiliate commissions. Well, I started making good money with that and it was around that time when I think that was just starting to make me money and I was starting to make a lot of commission. And that's when that list control event happened. Like, and I was just starting to get recognized as a decent affiliate for a lot of the health and fitness guys. Cause I kind of stayed in that genre. Cause it was like my passion at the time, other than BMX, it was working out in strength training. So that's like, that's why I was there to like kind of shake hands and meet people. But funny enough, there was a guy he knew his name is Vince Delmani. He had just like accumulated one of his big launches and I had made, during his launch, it was, you know, for me at the time, I think it was like 12 grand. And I was like, holy shit, it's like my first payday. And I was waiting to get paid from him when that list control event happened. So like I flew out there and I think I had like, you know, I bought a ticket. It was like a couple hundred bucks, I think. And then I, you know, split a hotel room with a couple of my friends that were going. And then, uh, and then I got there, I think I had like maybe 1200 bucks to my name, you know, on my account. And, you know, which, I mean, I had traveled on way less than that with BMX. So I was like, fuck it, you know, I'll make this work. But we go to like a, 
like as a celebration, Vince took everybody to dinner or not took it. Like he was like, come on, I'm having this dinner for all my affiliates. We're going out to this nice steakhouse, you know, and it was like, cool. We go to the steakhouse and I don't know what happened, but I was under the impression that he said he was taking care of the dinner for me. <laughs> but everybody was ordering drinks and, and I ordered a hamburger, like, you know, cause I was broke. I ordered like oh, one man. Bud Light and a hamburger. <laughs> and, and it came time when, you know, to, to pay the bill. And he's like, is everybody cool just splitting this? And I was like, oh, and I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to have that reputation. And it ended up being like like $400 a person or some shit. It was so expensive. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, oh, shit. And and AJ Roberts, who was a good friend of, our, of ours at the time, and uh, Jason Capital, who's a really good friend of mine as well, they were like, dying inside because they can see the frustration on my face as I paid this like $400 bill for my hamburger. <laughs> and, but that, and then that, like, it was right after that. We like, I was like kind of depressed. I was like, man, I just like spent half my money. Like, I don't even have a flight home yet. Like, what am I doing? Like, and it was just funny because like, you know, as it, things always end up working out. Like, I mean, I met a lot of people at that event and like a couple days later we got back, Vince like wired me the money. Like I got paid, but it was just like, it, 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 it taught me a valuable lesson. Number one is like, just do shit even if it makes you uncomfortable. But I ended up meeting a lot of cool people at that event, but it was like that funny. I will never forget that story. And my, it's burned in my brain totally. as like, and, and it was that event. But then, then we went out that night to the bar and like, cause like everybody kind of knew that like I was, that, that had happened. At least my close friends, I had told them like, cause I never really hid my, my money. I was just like, Oh guys, I can't, I'm going to go get a Subway sandwich because I'm broke. So I get paid. <laughs> um, I'm happy to be here. You guys can go have your fucking porterhouse, fucking Wagyu beef, fucking whatever. I was like, but I'm going to get a $5 foot long and a six pack. So <laughs> that's funny, dude. Yeah. I had, I had a pretty similar experience with like Frank's Frank's the man. Frank's the first guy that I found that was talking about all of this marketing stuff. And he kind of, at the time he's all like buttoned up and, you know, professional now, mm -hmm. but at the time he was all surfer dude. So he yep. I found his videos and he was talking shit and swearing and, and talking. It was, it was during the mass control launch and he was like, Oh my God, dude, this is, this is what I want to do. So I ended up working with Val. I was working with Valerie at the time and we went to that event and we went, we actually went out to dinner too. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any money either. I was just working with Valerie, you know, I just had whatever, but I, had, I went out to dinner with like Amish and some of Frank's Matt trainer and some of those guys, but thankfully they yep. ended up picking up the bill. So I didn't have to fork out 400 bucks, but I will say this though, like when I was first finding Frank and all those guys, you know, they were talking about doing these like million dollar product launches where they make a million dollars in 24 hours or whatever the hell it was. And when I first started working with Valerie, we did, a, a product launch for a, her membership site, the red carpet ready club. And we yeah. did like, we did like $75,000 in sales in like the first, I don't know, maybe two days. And I felt like a fucking loser, dude. I was like, for some <laughs> reason I was like, sure. I was like, going to make a million, like we were going to make a million dollars. And we did, it didn't even come close. But like, now that I look back at it, it's like, we, I totally killed it. You know, like, yeah. I, I think a lot of those numbers, they were, they were kind of like skewed to sit like, if everyone pays their monthly bill for the next year, we'll make a million dollars, but it's not, they didn't bring in a million in cash, but that whole yeah. thing kind of, kind of fucked me up. So yeah, Frank's, Frank's an interesting dude, man. I actually saw you busting his, I saw you busting his balls the other day on his, on his, uh, video. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause like guys like Frank and that, in that world, they're, they're internet, like OGs. They're like, you know, the reason we have direct response 
on the internet. Like we have VSL, sales letters, all this shit. You know, Trace Bag, you have like Dan Kennedy who started it, and you have like Frank Kern who made it all cool. Yep. You know, so it was just yep. like, you know, I like I have mad respect for Frank, but like he's on Inst- Instagram now and he's just doing all this shit. And I was like, bro, like he started posting these, these sideways videos, and I was like, God, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and, and I'm like, you know, in his own mind, I know he's probably telling himself, this is a pattern interrupt. People are gonna turn their phone. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, dude. And and also too, I have like a mentor, like um, not so much a mentor, but a buddy of mine who's like. He was basically telling me to be more controversial. I was like, really? I'm not controversial enough? I thought I was doing a pretty good job at that. He's like, no, he's like, you could definitely take it to like the next level. So like I, so in the last like two, three weeks, I've been really fucking up in the controversy. Indeed. Yeah. I think that's one of the best ways, like you mentioned a pattern interrupt. I think I have a lot of yoga people paying attention to me and even just most normal people, like as much as they'll say that they don't want drama or don't like it, that shit cannot, like they can't help but look at it when they see it. So Mm -hmm. even if, even if the message or the whatever the whatever the controversial thing you're saying is isn't super relevant to the person, just that there's like a something going on, something that's like something bad is happening, people have to look at it. It's it's a, yeah, it's a funny I, thing. I just think it's it's part of an overall strategy, and that and also too, it's like I mean, nobody wants to have the account where it's like you're only negatively bashing people. Like I don't, I'm not going to do that. Like I had my event last week and some guys like, like, where do you draw the line when it comes to, cause I, I put that all under what I call, like I have my content boxes. I have authority, social proof, connection and engagement. And engagement is usually like, you're making shit to fucking cause a stir. And, and, it, and it's to boost the algorithm. I mean, it's to make people pay attention to you. It's to make people decide, you know, fuck Ryan again, or I love Ryan again. Like, I don't want to be lukewarm. I, I want people to be like, you know, like it's yes or no. And you talk about that a lot. Um, and what you do is like, I want people to realize like, you know, the hate is a real thing on the internet. And as far as like, you know, I, I think nine out of 10 people don't have the thick enough skin to hack it in this world of like creating content and putting stuff out there to the point where like you're getting hate. Like everybody wants to talk about that. They have haters, but it's like, no, like I've been making YouTube videos for like, Oh, six years now. And there are thousands of comments of people saying how messed up my bottom teeth are. And that I'm like, I'm like, you just kind of give a, get to a level of don't give a fuck that. I don't think most people would let themselves get to that level. And that that's what it takes in my opinion, at least now, because like, if you're like, you're not going to stand out unless you're making some sort of controversy. Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things about social media in general is practicing, uh, dealing with the pushback and becoming more resilient and shit like that. Talking the talking videos have changed the game for me in that regard. Like just Mm -hmm. dealing with, you know, people, I mean the shit, like most of the shitty comments, like people talking about like, you know, your teeth or the way you look or whatever the hell it is, that stuff doesn't even typically, I just kind of laugh at that. Usually I'll repost it or make it like clown the dude in the, in the comments, but (laughs) yeah, I've um, done that before. But just even just like, I, you know, when you share an idea or something you have and someone doesn't like it or whatever the hell it is there, that stuff is definitely translated over to my conversations in real life as well. You know, (laughs) Um, and and, and it's controversy is an interesting thing. So I I think there's, um, you know, when someone sees something that makes them stop, which a controversial post does, which by the way, this doesn't always need to be, you know, you don't need to be calling out people to be controversial. Like it can be, you can be calling out ideas or big corporations or like, I mean, mean like, like something that's like as abstract as global warming, you could create something around that where most people can't really fault you for that. Like they're not going to think you're an asshole. Whereas if you're calling out an individual, a person, then 
a lot of people will think you're a dickhead or that it's too, too much. But there's an interesting thing. I think people like, you know, even if they don't know who, who are the details about the thing, just getting people to spend more time like looking at a post or looking through the comments, like the more time they spend on your stuff, all of that stuff factors into, you know, the algorithm and how powerful your account is. So I just like someone just like clicking on a post and looking at it and maybe scrolling it. It's not the same as someone clicking on a post and spending more time looking at it and trying to understand it, or maybe clicking on, you know, one of the, one of the commenters said something and that person clicks on the commenter's name, all of that stuff goes into the, into the machine. Right. So, and, and using controversial ideas, I think is a good way to create content that people spend more time looking at, which in my experience seems to be, it helps a lot. Um, when it, as opposed to just like someone just looking at something quickly and and scrolling away. Yeah. And I I think there's a lot, I think as far as engaging factors for like Instagram, there's a lot of things that people don't talk about for engagement. Like, especially like as you're a smaller account, like I, I do a lot of stuff that garners like people to DM me. And I think DM is like an undercover, like if you're getting direct messages and you're getting a lot of them and you're having long conversations in the direct messages, I mean, that has to say to Instagram, this is a fucking engaged account. Like, you should pay attention to this guy. So, like, I'm constantly, I do, like, things, and this is, like, how I do a lot of selling, is I'll create, like, a one-page PDF of, like, an idea or, like, some tips or something that I know will, you know, garner people to say, send me it in the DMs. And I'll just make a story that says, hey, guys, I got a new uh, one-page PDF telling you guys the five ways to piss people off, but then immediately make them happy. If you want me to send you this PDF, you know, go ahead and uh, shoot me a DM that says, piss me off. Smart. And then I'll get like 100, 200 DMs in a day, depending on like what PDF it is and what the, and then I send them a PDF. But it's also, you know, for those of people listening to this that like sell things, I just opened a direct line of communication with somebody that's interested in some shit. So now I just start talking to them. Oh, tell me a little about how you're going to use this PDF. And then I just have conversations with people, not hard sales, not like, like this link is going to self-destruct and your phone's going to blow up or it's just like, oh, so tell me about, you know, do you, what are your struggles? Like, why aren't you doing this to the level at which it's full time? What are you doing here? And I sell content. I teach people how to create content and like make money from smaller audiences, you know, similar to what you do. And it's just like, I'm like, well, I have a program. I, I, you know, I don't know what your budget is, but I sell a program called social content mastery and it's actually a live event i have here in st petersburg florida and it's you know it is an achieved course I, it's a three-day workshop here at or in my city and it's you know so like and then ha- a lot of times i'll get a yes or i'll get a no or it'll end up fucking next thing you know like i just made three grand that's slick man yeah i tell I, that's like one of my more recent things i've been banging on is is like questioning why someone would even try to sell something unless they're starting conversations first so like if people are not commenting on your stuff or sending you dms there's a good chance that you're not ready to start trying to sell them stuff yet. So in, instead of just spamming your fucking newsfeed or timeline with po- posts trying to sell your thing or get people to show up or sign up, it, instead it would be a, a a better thing to focus on would be starting conversations with people. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I suck with DMs. Like I just get so fucking overwhelmed with them that I, when I get overwhelmed with something, I tend to just not look at any of them. Um, and I know that I'm leaving so much money on the table. It is ridiculous. But uh, mm-hmm. I think I do think you're right, too, though, that when there's a, when there's an account that is exchanging a lot of DMs, that that is 100 percent a big probably one of the more influential factors in terms of how they decide what to what content to show to people, even on their timeline and stuff, you know? 
Yeah, another another one too is like I don't know your take on this, but it's like I don't hear too many people. You know, everybody says like goat, like this term ghost followers. Like you like you shouldn't you should delete all of your ghost followers. And like with the, I guess the definition of a ghost follower is somebody who doesn't like or comment on your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. But I don't comment and like on a lot of people's stuff. Does that make me a ghost follower? But that doesn't mean that I'm not actively looking to spend money. And like following people's stuff. So like if somebody deleted me, I'd be like, yo, fuck you. Right? Yeah, I, I think there's like an intro. I don't know this for sure. But to me, like that feels like just like a, a, a newbie way of thinking about social media interaction. Because if someone is like looking at a bunch of your stuff and they're not liking or commenting on it, that is also an indication of something because that's actually kind of like an anomaly. If someone's spending a lot of time looking at your content, meaning like time on screen, because Instagram and Facebook, they measure every single movement that the screen makes, which which orientation the phone is in, whether they zoomed in on a photo, whether they clicked on the comments, the people who are in the comments, all of that shit matters. So it, like them, even if they don't like or comment, if, if they're still doing stuff, that matters to Instagram and Facebook. So I, I don't really, I can understand maybe deleting like fake bullshit bot account. I don't even do that, but um, that's a, that's yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah. I don't even know how do you do that, but I know there's like software, but I don't want to take the chance of deleting somebody who likes my stuff. Yeah, like, for so sure. Like, fuck it. like, all right, cool. I guess I have ghost followers. I don't know. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think the invisible behavior is like, I, you know, it's hard to really put a wrapper on that and, and talk about it. And I, I would imagine that like the things you did and the stuff you saw before you clicked the link mean a lot to Facebook and Instagram. That's how they, that's how they figure out what you're doing and what moves people. And then when you, when you take that in aggregate with all of the other data they have about a bill, billions of other people, that's how they know so much about us because we are we're the same in most ways. So when they start to see patterns, so it's, it's not just whether or not you like or comment something, Facebook and Instagram knows how much time you spent. And that, and that means something as well. Cause their, their whole thing is they want people to spend as much time as possible on their phone, looking at their, at the screen. So when they see someone who, even if they're not getting the likes and comments, but people are still going to their page, like manually browsing to it, maybe because they, they're annoyed by them or whatever. All of that shit's a positive for us, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. That's interesting shit, man. So dude, I think, I think it would be cool to talk about, um, cause we both, you know, we have a decent audience, not, it's still not huge. I mean, what do you have like maybe 12,000 followers? I think I have 7,000 or something, which yeah. in, in the grand scheme, like, you know, people have 500,000, a hundred thousand, a million, 2 million. So, you know, we're still kind of operating with a small, audience, but I think there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who also have a small audience. We talked a little bit about what, what we would do if we were like starting from scratch or even just getting like an initial following going, you know? So most people have something like they have 200 followers or whatever the hell, but like, even if you didn't, what approach would you take starting today? If you just signed up for Instagram and Facebook? That's a good question. Cause it, cause it, it's it. And then this is like full transparency. It's a lot fucking harder. Now there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of people doing stuff and chances are the niche that you're going into is probably oversaturated, if not to the point of like way too saturated. I, I'm not like, I don't want to preface this with saying like, don't do it because of that, but just know that. So it's like, when you know that you're like, okay, one, I have to come up with a plan to really start stirring the pot and making waves. So I would like, I would obviously start on Instagram because I mean, I, Instagram is just hot right now. It's where everybody is. And I, I would foresee 
we have at least another year, maybe longer before they really hammer down the organic reach and they start making you really pay for everything. So like I would start there. I would definitely, I would, I would probably do twice a day posting for like the first like 60 to 90 days. And I wouldn't expect to make, try to make any money from that. I would just kind of, you know, start building my account to the point where there's something of, because what a lot of people don't know, like what they don't take into account is like, when somebody comes to follow you, if they come to your page and there's nothing on your page, as in like maybe you've only been posting for two weeks, like chances are that they're not going to follow you because they're like, oh, this guy's new. You have like negative social proof. You know, it's just does it, it's working against you at this point, even though you have like you have low followers and you don't have enough content not to impress anybody. So it's like I would I would over front load the content to the point where there's a lot on my page. So that way, when people do land on the page, there's more uh, chance for them to follow. And then I would also, after I got like at least 30 to 60 days, like, you know, whether I have, I mean, you could probably do that in like a month, like do like 60 days of content at, you know, twice a day posting for a month. And that's going to give you 60 posts. And then I would start running content-based ads. Um, I think a lot of people are sleeping on content ads. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I love Frank Kern stuff. He's kind of making that like a thing, his intent-based branding. You know, but I've been doing that for a while now to build a retargeting list. And for those not listening, so it's like, so you just to simplify it. So you're posting every day, you know, you're getting good content out there, whether a mixture. And I still believe you need a mixture of pictures and videos because Instagram is predominantly a photo platform. So I don't think they're ever going to get away from like, they want you to have photos, even though they're weighing videos heavier right now. And with that said, then you run, um, I would run one of my, best performing videos. So if you've been posting enough daily content, chances are you're going to see patterns in your content. You're going to see what videos get the most views, which ones get the most engagement. Those are what you spend then now into content ads. Um, and you run them through Facebook business manager as an actual ad campaign, not just promote the post, but you run it for video engagement. And then what that means is like, basically you're going to start uh, chunking people down into groups that watch 25, 50, 75, or all the way through your videos. Now, I would do that to at least I built up a retargeting audience pool that has watched at least 50% of my video. I would probably spend five, 10 bucks a day or whatever you can do. You can start with $2 a day. Like it really doesn't matter and build up to where you have like that video get like close to like 50,000 views or so. And then when you do that, a lot of things are happening. Number one, you're buying traffic. So Instagram sees you as a paying advertiser and I'm pretty sure they weigh people that are paying them heavier than people that aren't. Yep. Um, that is, that's just a total like thought. Could be wrong, could be right, but it makes sense. I base a lot of my things on common sense. And then you're posting every day, if not twice a day. So now Instagram's like, you're paying them, you're running ads and you're posting heavily. Then you take the anybody that's watched it over 25 to 50%, whichever you think is good. Then you make a second ad that's basically just like a follow me ad that kind of goes, you know, hey, you know, and these can these do really well in the stories, but they also work well on the feed. And it's just like basically, hey, I see, you know, this is what I'm about. This is what I do. I see you've watched one of my other videos. You're, you know, you watched, you know, over 50% of it. I know that sounds creepy, but this is the analytics Facebook gives me. If you're interested in more daily content about yoga, marketing, this, this, whatever you're about, you know, go ahead and That's shoot slick. me a follow. That's slick. Yeah, man. So it's like, so basically you're talking about a building a custom audience from people who have already indicated interest in you by watching your videos past a certain percent. It's like one of the most powerful tools that we have. And it's crazy that a lot of people 
a lot of people just are intimidated by the advertising thing. And I actually want to talk about advertising in a little bit, but just to, just to touch back on something. So if, if you know, you're, you're starting fresh and as Ryan said, you have, let's say you have no, you have no post, you just started a new account and you start to post and you're, you know, you do some front loading. I think one thing that you can do is just like being and whether or not, if you're starting now, or if you already have been, but just, it's not working out is just being really straight up about it and like not trying to pretend that you're something you aren't. And even just acknowledging like, look, this page is new. There's no post on it, but it's going to be the fucking shit. So just yeah. strap in, you know? So like, so if, if you feel uncomfortable about not having a lot of stuff up, just talk about that. You know, if you, mm-hmm. it's the same as anything, man, if you feel uncomfortable about making a talking video and posting it on your page, talk about that. You're uncomfortable posting a talking video on your page. It's, it works way better than just trying to pretend that you're a fucking stud already when you clearly don't have enough proof on your page, you know, to, to show them anything but that. So I think just being very forthcoming about your feelings. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're starting from scratch, you can do that. But even if you're just like, you haven't been posting very much or you, whatever has been getting in your way, people, people who are on social media are interested in people's feelings about social media. So just like talking about what the hell you're doing with social media and why you're starting this thing or what you're going to be doing with it, I think is just a, is a good way to start. And it's a good way to, you know, confront the elephant in the room that you're here trying to tell people that you're an expert, but you don't really have a lot of proof. Just like talk about that, you know, like don't, 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 I think that's an important thing is like Gary V says like document, don't create. So, um, you know, rather than try, if you want to be a, some sort of coach, a, a fitness coach, or you want an online coaching program or something, instead of trying to pretend that you already have this thing, just document what you're doing as you're building it. Cause it's really interesting to people. Um, so I think yeah, that's a, yep. And that's social proof in itself. I mean, like most people, like, I think, I, I think now I think there's going to be a rise of like, like, a, like a mixture of like brick and mortar and like the internet as far as like, a lot of people see like these internet personalities, like there's yoga coaches that like, like you always have, like they're they just pretty pictures and poses. They don't actually have clients. They've never actually really trained clients. They just like yoga and they, they're hot, you know, and they look good in pictures and they can do the fucking weird shit where they're standing on their head and they're pressing on their rib cages and shit like that. Like, you know, I think that there's going to be a rise of like, you know, if, if you have, you know, 400 followers, but and your first story starts at four o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning and you're showing your morning class and then you're showing your afternoon class and then you're showing your fucking night class and then you're coming home and you're showing that you're making content, you're putting it out. Like that's the fucking dude I want to follow. I want to see somebody that's doing it. Like not the one that's like, you know, only the best of the best. Now it's like also too, one of the things that I preach is like naturally you want your content game to get like level up. Like, you know, my content, a lot of stuff that gets put out on my page looks very professional because like I operate at that level. Like, I, I don't know how to make a shitty iPhone video anymore. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, it's just like, well, I think, uh, yeah. And it, dude, you're right. And I think there's like, there's a, you know, for, for someone to not show their stuff when it isn't that good and wait until they somehow get good, which probably won't even happen anyways, you end up actually missing out on an interesting story because people can watch your stuff get better. Like people say that to me all the time. It's like that I, they, they see my speaking improve the quality of the images and the videos and everything improves because I showed them when it wasn't that fucking good. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to take outfit pictures in front of a selfie mirror. Like that was my Instagram. 
Like, and now it's like, I got three cameras and a, a, a girl that follows me all the time. Like, you know, like, like that, this is just how like I've leveled up my content and, it, and it's, you know, sometimes too, like I have to reel myself back in and I've made so many dope videos for my stories that I'm like, yo, they get the same amount of engagement as if I post a picture of my daughter on the beach, like that I took from my iPhone seven, like, and, and like, and I use the Instagram filters, you know, like, so it's like, even myself, like I have to reel myself back in to show like, Hey, you know, it's okay to be normal and like, use your phone, like a fucking human being uses their phone. Like, you know, which is hard for me. I'm like, yo, I got like, you know, I carry around like a, a $2,000 camera. Like it's my phone half the time, you know, like, so it's, you know, and, but that's just that what, like, I mean, I see the, you know, like going back on standing out, like the, the better my stuff looks at the more rapid pace that it comes out, that makes me stand out from everybody else. So like, I'm doing that on purpose. Totally. You know, it, if I was known for having super professional stuff, like, then I would be doing iPhone shit to be different, to make people think, whoa, what's he doing? Like, this is kind of like a blurry photo. Like, you know, if I was like a celebrity, like just for example, um, I'm most likely May 1st. I'm like, I'm in some contracts and stuff, but um, the OxyClean guy, his name's Ant, uh, he's on all the OxyClean commercials. I know who that is. Yeah, like I'm going to be helping and consulting and really helping him make and create all the content for his social media and probably... Like, you know, going on to maybe even doing OxyClean and like he's in good with like Nutrisystems. Like, like, so these are like, this is like a big deal. And like one of the things I told him, I was like, dude, you, people are so used to seeing you professional on TV because he's like a legit, like my, like your grandma knows who the OxyClean guy is, you know? So, and I'm like, your Instagram should be more iPhone-y. Like it should just be you being normal, like selfie videos. Like normally I'd be like, no selfie videos, like hold the camera, like have somebody hold it. But with him, he's just like, no, like, dude, do your selfie videos, like take pictures with fans. Cause I mean, I've gone and ate lunch with him and like, he can't not get recognized. Like it's crazy. And I'm like, so people wouldn't exp like, they want to see the real you and the real you is like those, those blurry photos and like the, you know, you eating dinner with your, with your mom and like shit like that, you know? Yeah. So, and, and dude, like they're, they really, they, you know, they don't even need to be blurry anymore because the phones are. Yeah, really not. the cameras on the phones are fucking legit. But I think, yeah, it, you know, there's there is something to be said for a, a celebrity posting ugly stuff and then having not ugly, but just, you know, not not professional stuff and then having an impact. And I think that there's impact in someone who, you know, is like a, a, a local fitness trainer or the, a yoga teacher sometimes posting really fancy shit like they did a photo shoot. And I think that's representative of something, but I think an, an interesting part to that story would be you talking about the photo shoot or showing some behind the scenes stuff. So it's not, it's not just look at, uh, look at who I already am, but instead look at who I'm becoming is sort of the story. I think that's being told there. Um, because I, I think a lot of people are just intimidated, especially when they don't have an audience yet by, you know, it, imposter syndrome is a big deal and everyone's afraid of that. So they, they, people try to present something that they're not yet when they could have just presented them becoming whatever they become, you know? Um, yeah. One, I, of, one, of the, one of the things that I, I started, I mean, you, and you probably noticed it obviously on my account, like I, I, cause it, it's funny. It's like, you know, we kind of like, you kind of gravitate like, you know, last year I was speaking somewhere every month. So like, I was like, Holy crap. My, my life has kind of become like this, like highlight reel. Like, so like every week I, or every month I'm posting up all these pictures of me like speaking and like live like in planes. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, so like I had to, had to like step back from that. And like one of the things I told like Savannah is the girl that works with me. She takes a lot of my photos. 
was I was like, yo, we got to bring back the relatability on my page. Like I look like a fucking douche. Like, I'm like, <laughs> uh, like I'm, at, I'm like too cool right now with all this fucking, you know, pictures of me speaking in front of like 900 people and like, like, you know, a hundred people here and a local thing here. And I'm like, we got to dial this back. So I started doing photo shoots. Like one of my goals on my Instagram is to like, is take professional photos in the most unprofessional, weird locations. Like, so like I did, like we did a thing, like we went to, uh, I, I did a photo shoot inside 7-Eleven gas station. Like where I was like sitting down in the aisle, I'm buying muscle milk, I'm drinking a Red Bull, I'm in the beer cooler. Like just like weird shit like that. Like Smart dude. And it's just like, cause I think, you know, it, it's, it's funny and it's different and it's relatable. And I think that's what people lack is that relatability. Um, so yeah, I mean, so that's like one thing too, is like, you know, but like you said, like if you take a blurry photo nowadays, that's just you suck at holding your phone. Yeah, <laughs> like you yeah. should be able to make you take a good picture. Or clean your fucking lens or something, man, because that shit ain't really right, you know? But yeah, man, that's, that's good shit. And I think, I think you know, we'll, I want to talk a little bit more about advertising in a, in a few, but that's another thing too. So if you're, if you're just starting out, you don't have a big audience or whatever is, is getting okay with, actually, we can just talk about advertising now, fuck it, because it's an important yeah. thing. Even if you're, even if you're new is spending a little bit of money on Ryan called them content ads, which is taking a post that you've made and turning that into what is essentially an ad where you're telling Facebook and Instagram who you want to show it to. But the, the, the thing about it, the difference is, so there's like some people call them a dark post or just, it could be just a normal ad versus a content ad. A dark post would be something that doesn't appear on your page. So once you stop spending money, it doesn't, no one can see it anymore. You know, so mm -hmm. the comments that are on that post go away. But if you use a, a content ad and you take one of your videos or one of your, helpful ideas or whatever. And you use that as the ad media, all of the con the comments are remain and that post remains on your page, but it's being shown now to a bunch of people who are ideally interested in what you're doing. So I think it's, a, you know, just to get the ball rolling is like, you can just spend a little bit of money to get your stuff seen by people who are probably more likely to be interested than just whoever Instagram is guessing to show it to in the beginning, you know? But you're also, when you do the, the content ads, you're, you're leading with value. Um, and I mean, there should be no hint of a fucking sales pitch in these ads. Like it should just be like literally you talking, like helping people in the most normal possible way. Like nothing like over the top. Cause you want these, the power in these ads is you want to like this, like camouflage. You want them to just scroll people, somebody scrolling through their feed. And then they just come across like, who's this, this Ryan McGinn guy? Oh, it's a sponsor, but it doesn't look like an ad. Like, oh, this guy looks cool. Yep. Like, let me. And then here's where the power of the daily content comes in, because then they click on your profile, like, and then they land on your page, and like, you know, then they start looking at all your stuff. And if there's nothing there, they're not going to follow. But if there's a lot of shit there, they're probably going to follow. You know, at least thirty days. Yeah, worth. and I would and I would say this too, like with with these content ads, especially with something that like gets because again, I think you know if you're new or you're kind of just trying to get the ball rolling, instead of trying to focus on sales as we're talking about, you should be focusing on helping people and starting conversations and getting people commenting and talking. So one of the cool things is that when people do comment and you reply to your comments, which you better be replying to your fucking comments. Anyone who like says I'm not having success and I look at their shit and they're not replying to their comments. It's like, dude, fuck you reply to your comments and email me again. Um, yep. but, but, but like when you are replying to the comments on these content ads and now you're 
using Facebook and Instagram to show those ads to a bunch more people, not only is the content important, but the conversations that happen in the comments are important. So I would, you know, take, take advantage of any little opportunity you have to tell more of your story in the conversation that's happening in the comments, because you're there. Cause if, if for me, it's like, I look at comments before I read someone's shit, like just like an Amazon review. I look at the, the reviews before I read the copy. I tend to yep. look more at the co- to see if people are interacting with it to decide, should I even spend any time on this? So it's a great, it's a great place to, uh, further develop, like develop the story further and just show yourself as more relatable. You can also dial back. So like for one of your like douchey posts of you on a private jet or whatever, let's say you ran that as a content ad, you could use the comments to like address it and talk about it and make fun of it, you know? So like there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. And, and also too, if you're doing it as a video, like the video, like the power is you're building a retargeting list and like, you know, and some people are like, oh, you're building it with Facebook. And it's like, it's like, no, but like, to me, that's an email list. Like, I'm like, bro, like when I, if I make a new piece of content, I just run an ad for five bucks a day to my audience. And within like a couple of days, the whole audience has seen it. Like, and then when you break it down to like direct response principles, it's like, okay, so if I, if 50,000 people saw this and, you know, 10% like engaged with it, like, you know, or, and, and then there's like a click through rate if it, like there was a link to something out. Like, you know, it's just like you take the basic like marketing principles and and you you're turning like it, it's like an asset. It's not it's not like, you know, it's investing. It's like how, how long do I you know, yeah, you're in, you're putting your trust in Facebook and you're like, I hope to God Facebook doesn't like, you know, but no, it's like they're, they're going to let you run ads to your audience that you've built to people that have fucking like that you've paid for. Like that's like the basic principles. They, they want people to pay for their audience, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think the only, the only difference would be just like in that you it's the data is anonymized. So you can't like see the list of people who you're showing stuff to and you don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So there is that element of it, but of course, Facebook wants you to get results. Like the more money you make, the more that you'll spend on their advertising. So they're going to do everything they can to help you be successful with the ads and show them to the right people. But, but mm-hmm. yeah, custom, but custom audiences built on people who watched videos is one of the coolest fucking things ever. I mean, I, I, I mostly run the, the majority of the money I spend on showing my content to the video watching audience are people who have watched 95% plus of a segment of video. So you can, yep. when you, when you go into the business manager, you can define the audience and pick which videos that you've posted. And then you can tell it, Anyone who's watched 10, 10%, 50%, 75% or 95% of these videos, I want to put those people in an audience. And then I want to be able to show my stuff to those people because you, because those numbers, obviously 50% is probably the, the minimum that I would use because people who haven't watched that much, they probably aren't even that interested, mm-hmm. but beyond 50%, those people have done something like they, they've raised their hand and said, yo, I'm interested in, in seeing more. So, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the, you know, newsfeed becoming more, more, uh, or the organic reach going down. So having to spend money on the newsfeed. So if you're going to be spending money, why not spend it to show your stuff to people who have already said, yep, I'm yeah. in, or I'm interested at least, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I think people, and also don't let this like scare you like running ad, but I spent, I think it was like 300 bucks and that built my audience to like a through play is how many people that watched it all the way through. I was paying three cents. The, so I spent $344 total and it technically got 
like 97,000 views. That's insane. Oh, here, oh, I'm sorry. Here it is. So, so video watches at a hundred percent is 9,325. So that's 10,000 people that have watched a full, like 55 seconds of a video a month, you know, and then you take it and then like statistically 75% is 15,000, 50% is 21,000, but that's just from one video for 350 bucks. So like, but that's now my audience. So those 10,000 people, I can now send content. For sure. I think, yeah, people get weird about the spending money thing. I've seen people say shit like, well, if you're like some random person will comment on one of my promoted sponsored posts and be like, well, if you're so cool, why are you sponsoring your posts? It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? (laughs) So I think, I think people just have a weird, they don't really understand what the hell it even means. You know, they have this weird muddled yeah. idea about the whole thing. Your goal should be to be able to spend more money on advertising, not less. Like if you're not, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're not thinking about how can I spend more, how can I get more money so I can spend more money on ads? You're kind of doing something wrong. It's not about trying to spend less on advertising. You should be trying to spend more. You should be trying to spend more on your employees, on your team, on, on everything. So do it's, it's like your, your business decision should not be about cutting costs in the most important areas. It should be about making more money so you can spend more there. All right. So part two will come out in a few days. We will go a little bit deeper into advertising and how to make money with a small social media audience. In the meantime, you should follow Ryan at Ryan McGinn. If you're anywhere near him or you're going to be in Florida, you should definitely send him a DM and find out about his upcoming live events. They are 100% worth it. The dude's a beast. And if you want to get this episode a little bit early, I'm going to experiment with this. Send me a message and let me know. Maybe I'll publish it before I actually plan to publish it. And if you haven't yet left a review or rated or subscribed or done all those fun podcast things, that would be awesome if you would do that. It really helps me out a lot. And I think that's good. So I will talk to you in a few days. Otherwise, if you want it early, yeah, hit me up. Let me know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll oblige. Thanks for listening. So you do realize that it's a little crazy. You waited all the way until the very end, right? I do appreciate it, though.